Frontier on Community Radio Station. This is CFWN-FM, Northumberland 89.7. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. Reality Realty starts now. Your dial is on Northumberland 89.7 FM, and I'm Dale Bryant. I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage, and at this time each week, we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate. It's your community real estate forum with a national and international reach, compliments of online streaming and our archive podcasts. And joining us in just a few moments will be Catherine Gissing. Catherine is the owner and operator of Sage Relocation Services. And this show this morning, we'll be talking about real estate and downsizing trends in 2019. If you're going to enter the real estate market and or the downsizing process in the near future, today's the day to catch up with some of the key things to consider. So we'll get right down to business with our December 12, 2019 snapshot. And snapshot is a look at the residential real estate market in Northumberland County. There have been 81 single-family residential sales over the past month, and that's down 20 sales since our last report, continuing a seven-week declining trend. Speaking of trends, leaving us... With a decreasing inventory of 357 residential listings for sale. And that 357 is down from 402 on our last report. Average selling price of successful sales over the past year remains steady at approximately $450,000. If we look into uh, specific communities, the average residential sale price for Coburg over the past year is $476,000, the town of Port Hope, $450,000, and the town of Brighton, $407,000. During the past year, people have received on average approximately 98% of their list price in a market time of 47 days. Northumberland County, you are still in a seller's market with an absorption rate at approximately 23%, based on the past month's sales trend, meaning we have approximately 4.4 months of in, uh, of inventory at the rate homes have been selling. Million dollar listings. We have an inventory of $32 million listings actively for sale in Northumberland County. 19 of those uh, type of homes have sold over the past year. And on average, selling price has been $1,167,000. Also on average, these million-dollar properties have received 93% of their list price in a market time of 73 days. I research these Northumberland County statistics, and I calculate the absorption rate using information from CoreLogic's matrix system. And matrix 
is the local realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be area-specific, specific to the property type you're dealing with, and the price band it's in. So what do you do? You talk to your local realtor, and they will help you understand these statistics and help you understand how you can make them work for you. Today's mortgage rates, five-year fixed, is still as low as 2.69% and a five-year variable as low as 2.95%. And as always, conditions do apply. Today's mortgage rates, they come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with Dominion Lending Centers Alliance. And that, folks, is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market right here in Northumberland County. And I would just like to remind everybody that the views and opinions expressed on Reality Realty, although we think they are very clever, may not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the station, of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, or any other real estate brokerage or realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we have Northumberland's Downsizing Authority with us this morning. Welcome, Catherine, to the show. Thank you, Dale. Always glad to come back. Yeah, well, it's always good to have you. It's always good to be um, to get the information and insight you have gained by being immersed in the downsizing relocation industry. And uh, you get to see things from... Uh, a shared perspective with me and then a completely different perspective that uh, a realtor would uh, see. So very valuable. And we're doing trends. Your idea, great idea. You see, if I didn't say that, I would just look good for that idea, right? (laughs) You would look clever. (laughs) I would look clever. (laughs) But uh, it was your idea. And when you came up with that, I thought, perfect. That just makes sense. We're at the end of a year. What in the world's been happening in real estate and what's happening in downsizing and relocation? And and really and truly, I think as things happen, as times change, I think we just adjust, uh, you know, um, event by event. And and we just we just know how to adjust and what worked, what didn't work, what had to be tweaked. And and I. I, I even wonder if we know we're in the middle of a trend uh, when we are. It, it's not until a moment like this or, or, or a little bit earlier, you look back and you just go, oh, this is what's happening. W- would you agree with that? Well, I would. And that's actually why I like the end of the year, because I find that the end of the year, the volume of business that we handle slows down a little bit. And that's a good thing. And I know that that is reflected in the real estate market usually as well. Mm -hmm. And and I look forward to that lull in business because it allows me to step back and actually do a retrospective of the year. Because when you're immersed in handling a project, when you're immersed in handling sales, you don't have the ability to step back and really take a look at what's happened over the last year because you're just reacting all the time. But with a little bit of clarity, you can actually step back and take a look at the things that are trending. And then that becomes information that's really vital for clients going forward. And even in something as mundane as downsizing might seem to be to most people, there are real clear trends. And and I like to be able to understand what those are so I can communicate to my clients so that they can adjust their 
expectations about what's about to happen. When we come in, it's um, mass chaos at first, and we actually bring order to that. But if I can advise them ahead of time, this is what you can expect, then they adjust their expectations, and, and it's better for everybody. Yeah, I can imagine somebody who has either never been part of a downsizing process, which is most of us, and and even somebody that was part of it years a, a, a couple of years ago, if they uh, you know part of one downsizing um, uh, ordeal, uh, and then and then they do it today, those those folks would be they they would have an idea because, like you said, what seems like a, a fairly basic process, I think they would run into a lot of frustration if they if someone like yourself. Uh, didn't give them an idea of what the expectations will look like. Well, you're absolutely right. And in actual fact, our first trend speaks to that directly. So why don't we actually talk about the first trend? Yeah. So what is it, Catherine? So the first trend is, and if I had a drum roll, we could do a drum roll. But it's all about thank you. <laughs> that was a real low-budget drum that roll. That was a low <laughs> Where's my sound guy? <laughs> That'll work. So our first trend is really all about charities that ex- that typically accept products they are donated. And it's about that they are becoming increasingly discerning about what they accept. And this is important for me to communicate to my clients before we start actually downsizing anything of what they own, because often clients have an expectation that they are simply going to set aside a certain amount of what they belong, what they own, and they are going to donate that to their favorite charity. Mm -hmm. So they already have that in mind and they assume it's going to be a seamless process and it's not going to cost them anything. They'll get a tax receipt and they're going to walk away feeling really good about it. Mm -hmm. And in an ideal world, wouldn't it be wonderful if it worked that way? Yes. But it's becoming less and less that way. And it's becoming less and less that way because there's this thing called the baby boomers that Mm -hmm. are downsizing at the same time. And then there are the baby boomers' parents who are 85 plus, who represent actually the fastest growing segment in the Canadian population, and they are downsizing. So you've got senior seniors and younger seniors, and they're all condensing their households, and they're all sending that stuff off to donations with the hope that they're going to accept them, and everyone's going to walk away feeling good. Mm-hmm. And what happens is there's this there's this river of product that is now going to all these different charity sites who have limited space, limited resources, have a mandate to sell the things that are most likely to sell so that the money that they raise can then be driven back into the programs they support. And then you've got other complications, like you've got uh, an increasing incidence of bed bugs in urban areas. And so now they're Mm -hmm. becoming really careful about not accepting mattresses, not accepting, in many cases, soft furnishings. Like Like anything upholstered. Anything upholstered. Or like those pull-out sofas, like those are sort of, it's a given that you can't even donate those to most places. And so what's happening is you've got changing uh, intake requirements from these nonprofits, and you've got this deluge of things that are coming onto the market. And increasingly, we're finding with our clients that we have to become creative about how to find new homes for those things, because it's not always... It's not always a a given that that you can donate it where you want, when you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess I've had a bit of experience, you know, going back a number of years now 
with that, and, and I understand you, this is trend 2019, but just to give somebody an idea what it was like even a few years earlier than that, Carol Ann and I, we moved into our, the home we're in today, and there was a light fixture, and it was in a, a dining room area, which we were going to just extend the living room into the dining room and move the dining room into another room. So this dining room light fixture just didn't work. Um, and so I thought, wow, that that's in great shape. And that wouldn't have been cheap. And so I carefully, I carefully put it all together, packaged it up so nicely, and, and brought it to, um, you know, it was Habitat for Humanity, which uh, great, the ReStore, great thing. Um, and I thought, oh, they're going to love this, especially the, all the pieces are there. It's in, it's in mint condition. I mean, what, what kind of damage happens to a light fixture on a ceiling, you know, when people don't even smoke? So it, it was in great shape. And, you know, I brought it over there proudly, you know, make my donation. And uh, they said, oh, sorry, that's no good. Uh, do you know how many of these? I said, what? It's all here. It's all, it's beautiful. And they said, do you know how many of these we get and we have and nobody's taking them? And it's like, so from there it went to, it went to a transfer station. It went to the dump and it just, oh, it just seemed wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And so what we try to do is cl is set clear expectations with our clients first. And we also go through a bit of a different protocol now to try and overcome those challenges. And the protocol can be done by our listeners on their own. And it basically means if you have things that you want to donate to organizations like that, take a picture. Take the time to take a picture. Mm. Measure it. Write a little product description, if you can get a manufacturer's number, if you can get a model number, any information you have about where it came from, what its history is, and then send that through to whoever is the program manager for the intake. And generally that information is available on the website or you call them and you ask who you should send that information to. Send the pictures, send the information and ask for agreement that they will accept it. Mm -hmm. And you, you save yourself a lot of grief in doing that because yeah. then they're going to tell you ahead of time, no, thank you, or yes, we can. And then if they say, yes, we can, then the, then the next question is, do you pick up? And if you pick up, what is the pickup schedule? Because they have limited trucks. Many of their laborers are volunteer laborers, so they have a limited rotation cycle. So you want to know how long you might have to wait mm -hmm. in order to have it picked up. The next thing you want to ask is, is there a pickup charge? Because one of the other trends is not affecting us in the county, but we do a lot of work in the Toronto, the, the eastern regions of Toronto as well. Right. In those areas, you can expect a pickup fee. So, for example, uh, Habitat, not, not Habitat, Restore Durham, which, ha mm -hmm. which covers Durham and Uxbridge. They have a standard pickup fee of $50 for the first item. Yes. That's likely worth more than the item itself. So this is why you need to understand yeah. this. And it's becoming the new norm. So $50 for the first item and $15, dollars $15, $15, $15 for every item after that. And in addition to that, they will only pick them up if they're on the main floor or in the garage. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you can overcome that by agreeing to then 
if they say yes, they'll take it, but they can't pick it up or you don't want to pay for the pickup, you could then pay to get a, to rent a truck or if you have a truck, you can load it and take it down yourself. But I mention this because this is part of the changing landscape of donation. Mm-hmm. And I, I am defending their position because it costs money to run a truck sure, and to have the insurance and to have health and safety for these people. And, and also they have limited resources and limited space. So they have to be discerning about what they take. And they can afford to be discerning because there is so many light fixtures and right. china cabinets and kitchen tables coming their way. Why wouldn't they cherry pick? And yes, absolutely. And and uh, and I mean, there's no sense bringing things into their warehouses that aren't even going to move. Um, and and you mentioned the upholstered furniture and mattresses. So uh, two years ago. Were you running into this as well, or were they more free to take, say, upholstered furnishings? It's a moving target, and it depends upon the nonprofit you're dealing with. But what we're finding is that it's becoming more of a question and more of a problem. And mattresses generally will not be accepted outright. So Mm -hmm. mattresses are a category unto their own. Sofa beds outright won't won't be accepted. Um, because they're soft upholstery and because they're heavy and because they're mattresses. this The soft upholstered sofas and couches are the things you want to send a picture of first because yes. they may say yes, they may say no. Now, they're becoming concerned because they can harbor things like bed bugs just like mattresses can. Yeah, we've, we've been hearing about that in the news for what, three, four years, yeah, maybe? It's, it's yeah, it's coming. And so it's it's driven by changes that are that are really more active in Toronto. But of course, everything that happens there eventually reaches this way as well. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about soft upholstery is that many of the clients that I deal with are were in their prime in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. The upholstery that they had represents the fashion of that of that age and mm-hmm. so a nonprofit is probably not going to want to accept something like that because it would need to be reupholstered in order to be viable again and only so many people are going to be willing to invest the mm-hmm. money to do that yeah it just doesn't make sense no all right so does that pretty much cover the uh the changing in the parameters of uh what charities will take Pretty much, pretty much. And so my recommendation to anybody is do your research first so that you're not disappointed. And, you know, work with the organization in order to figure out the best solution for both of you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I have one here. I have a trend as well, Catherine. And uh, the trend being people, buyers, buyers in particular, coming to the table, giving, giving me a call to... Uh, start looking at homes and knowing so much more about the homes they're looking at. Not only knowing so much more about the homes, but knowing about the sale history and even maybe knowing about even what the cooperating brokerage, the buyer's brokerage, is actually going to get paid for commission. So we're at break time. So folks, You've been listening to Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, truly local radio. Join us in just a few moments. And Catherine and I, we will start talking about how how it is that these uh, home buyers are coming into the buying process, knowing so much more about the homes. Hey, Northumberland, do you need a little something to help get your weekend started? 
then why not join me, Joe DeLosi, on the Saturday Morning Confusion, heard every Saturday from 9 till noon. At 9.30, we'll have your twin spin. 10 o'clock, we do your top five countdown. At 10.30, it's everybody's favorite contest. It's only words. And at 11 o'clock, we settle up the horse and we go a little bit country. That's every Saturday morning right here on Northumberland 89.7, truly local radio. Have you been to Mattress Online? Yeah, I went through their entire website. No, I mean the store, Mattress Online. What store? The store in Coburg for mattresses. Not only do they have a website, but they've got an incredible selection of mattresses you can try in their showroom. Really? I had no idea. You should call it Mattress Offline. (laughs) Still, the store is right here in Coburg. It's inside Showtime TV and Stereo at 20 Strathy Road. It would be great to try the mattresses first to see which one I like. Shop local. Shop Northumberland. Shop Mattress Online. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest this morning is Catherine Gissing. And if you haven't been involved in real estate recently, very recently, or been part of a downsizing process in in the past uh, little while, then you will not likely know of a number of these trends that we're speaking about this morning. We're looking at trends in 2019 in the real estate industry and in the downsizing process. And Catherine, before the break, I was talking about... Um, how buyers are knowing so much more about the homes they're looking at. They'll know the sales history. They'll know the time on the market. They'll know even potential commission that the, that the buyer's brokerage is about potentially going to make if a, a deal comes, uh, comes together. And, and it, it starts back, and it's all, it's all about online, ever since uh, the Internet buyers and sellers have been more aware of what's going on. I mean, if you're thinking of buying a home, why would you not Google the address? And the best results are no results. The best results is when that house did not make it to the news. Um, it did not It did not have a fire and burned down. It was not busted for, um, you know, a, a, um, a marijuana grow up or something. So the best news is no news. You can look at Google Earth and you can see all the surrounding area. And uh, there's just so much you can learn online. But now, back in 2011, um, there was a, a court case launched and it was the Competition Bureau against the Toronto Real Estate Board at TREB. And, and TREB is the largest real estate board in all of Canada. And the, the situation was, I believe there were some realtors who wanted to just set up a website that would automatically offer up all sales history on all homes that have sold and, and you didn't have to be a buyer or be getting into the industry right now to find out. You could just be nosy and find out all the sale prices. And, and Treb, who had been collecting this information, were saying, you know what, this is, this is our intellectual property. We've been collecting this. And we feel there's a, there's a, you know, a privacy issue here where we understand our realtors have always shared this kind of information if somebody's buying because it's important that they know this, but it's just not there for public view so everybody knows your big business, I mean the sale of your home. 
And so that, that, that case started 2011, and they fought it for a long time. And Treb lost. Competition Bureau won. And then they, uh, Treb tried to appeal it in 2018, and Supreme Court, they rejected the appeal. So now people are able to do this. And there's, there's sites like Bungle, House Sigma, and you can find out all that information on there. Um, one of the things, you know, is why did Treb fight it? Why, why maybe are some realtors um, not liking it? I think personally they're, they're fearful that, you know, the more information that's out there, the less they need a realtor. And, and I personally say, you know what, the, the more that the general public can be informed, the better. And, and really and truly, if you find out how much a house, if I find out as a realtor, if I find out how much a house sold for, do I know what this other one is going to sell for? No, I don't. I need to know the square footage of both because there's value for square footage. I need to know the exact features and finishes for both because there's value differentiating there. And, 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 and that, that sale, you just can't eyeball it and say, ah, oh, if that sold for 450, then this one would be maybe 460, you know, or four, it'd be 450 as well. I mean, th- those homes could be $30,000, difference, even though um, from the curb, and, and, and much more. And even though from the curb, they look similar. Uh, so, you know, me personally don't feel threatened by it at all. Uh, but and property lines I mean you can see Google Earth but can you see always you know Google Earth with property lines and and you can you can find things if you if you're uh, a good enough searcher so yeah so that's that's definitely a trend and it was a trend that um, Toronto Real Estate Board was really trying to stop so that's that's my real estate trend Catherine so I think actually it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I think that in, mm-hmm. um, in clients' eyes, it changes the contribution of the realtor, though. Because if in the past they thought a realtor was simply there to provide that body of information, mm-hmm. now the realtor steps up and provides so much more. Um, because you're right, it's the intangibles that you don't see in just the information, the, the list of information. It, it's things like the survey line. It's things like how does it really differ from a competitive pro- property? Mm-hmm. It's understanding the community that it's part of. It's understanding so many things that are not on the spec sheet. But I'm, I'm guessing that in some ways it's um, challenging for realtors in transition because now you are, um, there's an expectation perhaps that you provide more Mm-hmm. need to provide more because a, a buyer or seller might think that they have all the information at their command when really they only have the, the thin e- edge of the wedge. Really, they have a certain amount of information, but there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. Yeah, and and for me, I, I know the clients. I know my clients who who've, who go to those sites and find out that extra information, and, and that, that's perfect. I mean, when we go to meet at a home... I don't have to even review what it is. We can talk about why it is. And, and so we, we, just, we just get to advance into that conversation that much faster. Hmm. Uh, people were always able to find this information out. Their, their realtors would have offered up this information anytime they were buying or selling. But now they can do it at home. They can start to 
process it in their heads, and then and then there there typically will be questions. And now get now get your realtor to help you with understanding um, why why the, why they think it, it ended up at the price or why it is for sale for so long. Yeah, so that's an interesting perspective on a deal because basically what you're saying is it actually accelerates the process and it makes the process more of a, a partnership between you and your client mm-hmm. because the client comes forward with a body of knowledge already. By the time they reach you, they already have a body of knowledge that otherwise you would have had to provide, which would have delayed the, the process. Yeah. So now you're a little further down the selling path mm-hmm. and you're really – working in partnership with not because you're starting with that body of common knowledge already. So yeah. it's a different perspective. Yeah. And, and not, and it's not for everybody. I mean, it's not like this new information has just um, taken over like a wave here in Canada. There are people that are using it. And then there are people that say, you know what? No, um, I'm busy with my life and I have my own life. And then when we go to shop for homes, I still expect the realtor is going to give me all that information. And and in Canada here, that's at least in this community, and, and, and my research tells me also in Canada, that's that's the way it's still um, happening. But there's hmm. definitely a trend of more knowledge. Agreed. So what about, Catherine, are you ready for upcycling? I'm ready for the downsizing trend number two, which is called upcycling. And for those of, who, of you who are familiar with upcycling, you'll recognize that it's actually different than recycling. So recycling is basically taking a product and getting it into a stream where it can be reclaimed. So metal goes to metal recycler, electronics go to an electronics recycler, they strip all the pieces apart and they reuse what they can. So that's recycling Mm -hmm. uh, in essence. Upcycling is different. Upcycling is taking a product and blending creativity with it so that you turn it into something that is still functional but beautiful. And it breathes a second life into something that perhaps could benefit from being revitalized. And, and the reason I mention this is because, uh, like with a lot of things, the advent of the Internet is really um, given, it's really given a foundation to the growth of upcycling because you take a look at platforms like Etsy, for example. Mm-hmm. Etsy is full of tens of hundreds of thousands of vendors who provide handmade, handcrafted product. And they're, they're beautiful and, and the creativity there just blows me away. And a very high percentage of the vendors in Etsy are taking products that already exist, but they are recreating them. They're reimagining them by adding creativity to them. So you'll see things like an old metal birdcage that's been repainted with a, a like a vibrant color and the bottom of the birdcage has been lined and turned into a planter. So all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's not a birdcage because it was no longer functional as a birdcage, but they've taken care of the rust issue, they've put a liner in the bottom and they've suspended it and it's full of trailing plants or sedums or something beautiful and they've reimagined it. And that's only one example. There, There's, you know, if you take a look at Etsy, you'd be there for oh. as many years as you've got left on the this earth. Fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's yep. fascinating. People from all around the world, what are their ideas? Yeah. Yeah, and and so it 
it blends with all the other downsizing trends because so many of the things that we see that are now going to charities or going to disposal in some cases could be reinvented. And there is this whole group of really creative artisans out there that are um, looking for things like china cabinets. Mm -hmm. And they are repainting them with chalk paint or they're papering the interior with wallpaper or they're, they're separating the top of the china cabinet from the bottom of the china cabinet and integrating those two pieces into a whole kitchen reno where they'll have a combination of brand new cabinets and then Aunt Mary's Mm -hmm. China cabinet as a feature piece because yeah. it deserves that kind of continuity. It should be part of the family, but in its original incarnation, it was something that very few people were interested in. But if you think about how it can be upcycled, the possibilities are really endless. And it's, it's a wonderful way to divert things from the waste stream. It's a wonderful thing to provide industry for people that are looking for a creative outlet. It's a wonderful way to um, to create a whole community of artisans who now have um, now have a whole audience because in, in many cases they don't have just a bricks and mortar store. They depend upon the internet, whether it's Etsy or other kinds of, of channels. They can reach a market almost anywhere. And it's, it's really, it's a trend because it's flourishing mm -hmm. and the uh, creativity out there, it just, it's stunning, just stunning. You, you mentioned how this... Um this is saving the waste stream. You know, there's less going to landfill because of this uh, uh, upcycling. Is there is there any hope for the upholstered furniture and upcycling? Because Ooh. you know, because when we talked about that, I just thought, ah, oh, that just means more to the landfills. Well, it, well, there is in actual fact there is, and so a lot of it comes down to quality of furnishings. Mm -hmm. So. There are a lot of older pieces of, of wood furniture, let's say a, a wood chair out there, like a standard side chair. Some pieces actually were designed um, with really solid wood and solid joints, and they mm -hmm. will live forever if you find a way to upcycle. Others were lesser quality, and so maybe they have actually come to the end of their natural, nat natural life, and actually they should be disposed of. Mm -hmm. But for things that are really well-constructed, they can be reupholstered, but it's more than just simply putting a fresh piece of upholstery on it. It's probably taking out all the underfill and all the padding and uh, having it properly done. But if you go uh, to most upholsterers workshops these days, you'll see all sorts of examples of, of old historic pieces. They're being reimagined with really vibrant contemporary fabrics. And they really, the finished piece is a blend between mm -hmm. two worlds. It really is. Yeah. And, and, and that's got to be, in general, when I go into homes, one of my favorite looks. Not all old, not all new, but that synergy between the old and the new, always, always a favorite when I see it. Neat one I saw. I mean, we're talking about this now. And I wasn't thinking of upcycling at all a couple of weeks ago when I was at this place. But I saw someone who had taken um, an old set of golf club drivers, the, the old woods, which nobody's going to use now. Even if you don't have much money, you're not going to buy them at a secondhand when you can buy cheaper new technology secondhand and and have a much better product but they had taken that retro old golf club and, and made a a coat rack out of it so those big wooden heads were now holding your your coats up and 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 they were so clever on the on the back base of the of this coat rack as well and and i thought wow what a smart i mean it's not the one 
Carol Ann's going to allow me to hang in the front door of our our home, but in in a in in more of a, a masculine setting, um, it, it was ideal. Although maybe it should be in the front hall. With all apologies to Carol Ann, because what a, <laughs> like what a conversation piece. Yeah. When you think of people coming into your house. They're used to seeing the same old, same old. That's going to stop them in their tracks. Like, where the heck did you get that from? Yeah. And there'll be a story behind it. Yes, yes, yeah. And and and, and maybe maybe I'm being hard on Caroline. Maybe she would have let me, but I'm thinking not. Let's find out. <laughs> Let's find out, yeah. <laughs> is, is she going to phone in and straighten us up? So, so the upcycling... I mean, that really seems to be in line with the way we think as as a community uh, now, too. Well, it does, because it's a reflection of of an evolving value system. And and, and it's a good thing, because it creates whole industries. It, it um, again, diverts things from the waste cycle. Mm-hmm. And it's currently, it, it is a trend that's here to stay, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, Catherine, I have one here, which is a, a real estate-focused uh, trend. And that is uh, deposits. For decades, Catherine, the the stand the most common. There's no standard, but the most common deposit realtors would see on a on a purchase of a residential home was a thousand dollars deposit. That in Northumberland County, I'm not talking about GTA at all, because that's not the case. But in Northumberland County, for decades, it had been a thousand dollars. We would see higher. We'd even see lower. I've been uh, not too many years away from doing a $500 deposit and everything went through. No problem. Uh, they're much higher now. And, and this started back 2016, 2017, when the market was really ramping up. And in, in 2017, we were seeing Toronto-style deposits. We were seeing the 5% and sometimes better than 5% because that deposit was showing the seller, we're serious. We have skin in this game and don't, you know, don't worry about our financing. We're going to close because we can, we can come up with uh, 30, 40, 50,000 now. You can trust we're going to be able to close on this home. Well, 2017 is over. Things really sort of flattened out in 2018 and and we've had a nice healthy climb in 2019 and I would say I'm seeing a five and ten thousand dollar deposits have sort of replaced the the one thousand dollar deposit as as maybe the most common so a really good thing one thousand was ridiculously low and uh and what people need to think about and be concerned about with deposits, uh, say a buyer, um, if you're house hunting and you put and and you can put fifty thousand dollar deposit on on a on a deal, maybe you don't want to. Maybe you want to cut back that back to maybe twenty five or, or twenty because, like I said, um, you know five and ten are doing a whole lot of deals. It just depends on the price of the home too, but if you put a deposit on a home and uh, and you have your conditions, let's say let's say a home inspection condition, and the home inspection shows some things that are not what you're ready to take on, and they're substantial, and you're going to get out of the deal on the home inspection, and if most most brokerages are very quick at getting your deposit money back. 
um, you might be 10 days to get your deposit money back. But there are, I, I know of one for sure, there might be a couple, and they're slow. I only know of one, but it, it, they're very slow at getting your deposit money back. So if all of a sudden your deal um, doesn't firm up, and and you you know everybody signs a mutual release, but it's now it's taking you twenty plus days to get it. If that was your only money, now you're out of the real estate market. Now you can't find another one you like, put an offer in, and offer a deposit if you've used it all. So something that buyers want to think about, and uh, and then sellers naturally, like I said just before that, they see a strong deposit they get uh, some warm fuzzies in their in their tummy because they know here's some people that can actually afford our home. Mm -hmm. So definitely deposits trend in in 2019 we sort of did uh, the the pendulum where we were way on one side we swung way over and and I think we were matching Toronto style deposits and now we've sort of found a nice what I think is a uh, reasonable mm -hmm. range. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm stunned at the $1,000 statement because, uh, as you know, I came from Toronto five mm -hmm. years ago, and that was not the norm there at the time. And, and so um, th that just stuns me. I had no idea. It just seems yeah. um, too modest, just yeah. too modest. Well, and, and as, a, as a Northumberland realtor, um, prior to the 2016 sort of um, – movement activity uh every now and again a toronto realtor would come in and bring a buyer and we see this massive deposit and but that's what they were used to the toronto realtor was used to it their toronto client was used to it and they'd come in with these very substantial deposits which was great it gave our north umberland seller a, a very good feeling and uh but in the meantime we, uh, I would look at that and I say, "Well, that's great. Wasn't necessary. I wonder if they knew that." Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah. are we on par with what Toronto is doing right now, or are well, we my, an anomaly? I, I think it, we are such a mixed bag now because anybody that had experience in 2017, if they're not keeping up with what's going on, they're still thinking high mm -hmm. deposits. If if we uh, just did a deal, just very recently and uh, a very strong deposit I, I i i tend to think if it was uh, a local realtor it wouldn't have been as strong um and and, ma and maybe it doesn't matter to the buyer you know they have that money available they put it down um and maybe they were able to have some negotiations on something else within that contract mm -hmm. that they wouldn't have had that strength if their deposit had been weaker. So there's so many aspects, but uh, I would say we're a little weaker than the GTA right yeah, now. Yeah, and I would expect that. Yeah. Yeah, so what do we got? We, our next one, we're going to take a break, Catherine, and our next one is a shared trend, I think. Is that is that what we're getting well, into? We get, as always, we've got lots of content, okay. so we have a bunch of trends we can talk about. We could just jump to the one that's a shared content. Well, we, we, we're going to have about 60 seconds to figure that okay. out. Okay, all right. Folks, you've been listening to... Hang on. Yeah, <laughs> hang on. You've been, we're, we're, we're producing the show as we go. <laughs> you've been listening <laughs> to Reality Realty on Northumberland 
89.7 FM, Truly Local Radio. Join us after this break. And Catherine Gissing and I, we're going to continue talking trends in 2019 in the real estate and downsizing community. Cancer connects us all. We all have a story to tell. I was 13 years old when I first heard the word cancer. Being diagnosed with colon cancer was an overwhelming shock. I'm Eric McCormack. Research, including clinical trials, helps to change the story for cancer patients across Canada. I am now nine years cancer-free. Join Stand Up to Cancer Canada and the Canadian Cancer Society to learn more about the groundbreaking research that translates into life-saving treatments. Visit standuptocancer.ca slash ccs to learn more. Tune in to Modern Jazz Today, a weekly show that focuses on today's jazz improvisers and creators, cutting their teeth and cutting the edge of sound. Join us as we explore what's new, what's groundbreaking, and where it's happening. Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. on Northumberland 89.7, Truly Local Radio. Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest this morning is Catherine Gissing. And Catherine is the owner and operator of Sage Relocation Services. And so, Catherine, while the break, we did some um, show producing <laughs> on the fly. And and we got a... We got a downsizing trend we're going to look at here first. Yes, we do. Actually, we had two trends we could talk about. We were negotiating, is there room for one or two? We decided <laughs> to go for broke and do both. Yeah. So the first one is a really interesting one. I'm hoping it's going to resonate with our listeners. It's all about lending libraries, but not the lending libraries that you think of typically for books. There's a whole movement afoot across North America for the formation of lending libraries for other things. Things like woodworking tools, things like baking uh, paraphernalia, things like sewing machines, things like art supplies, things like you name it. Anything that you might need on a occasional basis, um, anything that might be taking up too much space in your house and you really don't need on a regular basis, things like that are actually finding their way into organizations that are creating a lending library for them. So the best example of that locally would be at Venture 13. So Venture 13 on Darcy Street here in Coburg has a workshop in part of their um, facility and that workshop has a small lending library of tools. And so that's a, a, a local example of it. There are other counties, other town cities that have really embraced the idea and made it a much larger kind of organization. So places like Kingston, places like Guelph, places like Peterborough, certainly in Toronto, have fully developed lending libraries for and I'll give you uh, woodworking tools as a classic example. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lending library might have a whole inventory of woodworking tools, and those tools are donated by the community, so people that are downsizing and getting rid of tools that they no longer need because they're moving to a condo or to a retirement community or simply a smaller house, or they're at a stage of life where they no longer need the bandsaw or the table saw. These lending libraries now become the ideal place to donate something to people that will appreciate it. And, and I think, I'm thinking one of the big reasons you want to be sure to get this one in here, not only do you think it's just a, a great idea for the community, but because 
we're weak here in Northumberland County, I'm thinking you sort of you're sort of hoping somebody will hear this. I'm hoping someone takes this and runs with it because it's such yeah. a terrific idea. And it's really, it's a it's an idea that's just waiting for someone to breathe life into it. And, and as I say, Venture 13 is actually already doing this in some um, to some degree. They have a lot of other things they're doing as well. And so it has the ability, the idea has the ability to be more than simply tools. It could be all the sewing machines and sewing tables that people need occasionally that it could be canning equipment when it's canning season and you really want to do your strawberries or raspberries it could be um, art easels it could be a whole variety of things and the organizations that actually uh, take care of this right now typically have uh, volunteers that run it. It's volunteer-based. It's usually a subscription-based. Subscription is normally somewhere between 40 to $100 a year, and that gives you unlimited access to whatever you want throughout the year. So it's not a community... <coughs> pardon me. It's not a community rental center. It's a community membership. It's a membership-based. Base. It's a membership-based. Okay. So, for example, in Guelph, they have about 350 members, and they have about 1,500 items in their inventory, and they have a fully stocked website. So on the website, you can take a look at um, whatever they have available, how many of those there are, what the booking is for it, and then you come in, you book it online, and you come in, you pick it up, and it's just like a lending library. You have a, li- you have a library card, mm-hmm. you borrow it for a period of time, and then there is a uh, probably late fees when you don't bring it back because you've got to bring back the canning equipment. Mm-hmm. But what it means is that when you need a particular kind of tool, you no longer have to have a fully stocked tool shed or tool room in the basement or the garage. And, and I say that because in downsizing, we deal with clients all the time who have collected for decades and they have a fully stocked workshop and Mm. now they're at a point in time where they no longer need that and it breaks their heart to realize that there's only so many there's only so many people that want those things Mm -hmm. there's only so many organizations that will accept those things and so i love this trend because it checks so many different boxes it gets those tools into the hands of people that will need them usually the people that run the organization are really they're very crafty people. They're do-it-yourselfers. So there's a transfer of knowledge among the memberships. Some of these organizations have seminars and workshops so that their members can come in and learn how to use the things. Mm-hmm. Some of them actually have their own do-it-yourself videos. So it can be as low-tech or as high-tech as you want to be. But I love it as a trend because it continues a life of useful things. It creates a sense of community among people that share that interest. And um, it means things are not going to landfill that don't need to go to landfill. Mm-hmm. And, and not only a good place for people who are downsizing to send their things, but maybe even uh, it's a vehicle to allow people to downsize when they, they only need certain things seasonally or on a project base, you know, uh, time. And so then they can say, I can give that up. Because our community has a lending library and we can downsize and we don't have to store things that we use here and there. Yeah, absolutely right. All right. We have one, Catherine, and it's a shared one. It's the one I talked about before the break. It is. It's the big one. So what what do we have in common, most in common with uh, Trends 2019? Well, do you want to name it or shall I? I'll do the drum roll. Okay. All right. You do the (laughs) drum roll. 
<laughs> that was really sad. That was worse than the first drumroll. <laughs> so this trend is one that's actually um, <clears throat> almost become a norm. And the, and, and the trend is the fact that it has become the norm. And mm. we're talking about staging, staging properties for the real estate market. And the reason um, it's identified as a trend is because it's been very well accepted and established now in urban centers. And as often happens, when you are an outlier, when you're a smaller community outside a big urban center, some of those trends trickle in and, and don't become the norm until after they've been well established in places like Toronto. And so staging is one of those things that I would say has become the norm now in Northumberland County. Now, staging needs to be defined because it doesn't necessarily mean that you're removing everything from your house and bringing in rented items to replace it, to create an artificial environment. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It could mean that. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It might simply mean that you are, you are curating the things that you own. So you're selectively picking the things that you own that actually should be in that house and temporarily, temporarily removing the other things so that when a buyer comes in, they actually see the house first and the things second. It's a question of really creating an environment that appeals to the needs of the buyers as opposed to the people that currently live in the house. Mm -hmm. and, and some people even think of staging because we, so, we see so many shows, uh, you know, are available for us to view in an evening, uh, uh, home renovation shows, uh, decor shows, staging shows. And, and some people think of, like you say, it's bringing in all furnishings, wall hangings, different things. Some people actually think of staging as being, uh, you know what, we, we need to gut this room. This is a weak room. We need to gut it. We need to treat that wall with whatever, make it a, make it a, um, a focal point, and we, we need to do this, that, and the other. And, and then there's the one just working with what you have, making what you have the best it can be. And, and for me... That's my favorite one because, you know, once you get into doing a renovation of a room, your home is quite often only as valuable as your weakest link and the weakest room. And they can say, oh, that's great that that room's done, but look at that, those rooms in comparison. So it's, it's a real balance and not everybody has the money. I mean, if they're only having um, five or ten thousand for a deposit on the next house, how much do they have to do staging on this one? Even though return on investment is great, and that's part of that's part of the reason staging is so popular mm -hmm. is the speed a home can sell, and the uh, and and the price it'll bring in. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, and I'm with you. I think that uh, the culprits for this trend, if culprits is the right word, would be HGTV. Because as a public now, we were yeah. inundated with just a whole host of programs and personalities that are driving towards the same thing, which is you've got to create this um, sterling environment. It's got to have a particular aesthetic. And I think that we absorb that message and we internalize it and, and ultimately it affects how we prepare our house when it goes to market. And you can, uh, you know, rail against that all you want, but the reality is that the media is a very powerful tool. And when that kind of message is out there, as a seller, I think that you have to um, understand that the world has changed in real estate. And, and I explain this to my clients all the time because we're often dealing with a house that's a family home that's been lived in for 30, 40, 50 years. And my clients, for the most part, 
may not be familiar with that trend because the last time they sold a house, the last time they had a real estate transaction, they may have handled it themselves, they mm-hmm. may have cleaned up, and that was it, full stop. And so when I explained to them that it has changed, the benchmark is now higher, it's part about educating them about what they need to do in order to be competitive in this market. And, and it's partly my word, but I usually bring up my iPad and I show them examples of competitive products that would be close to theirs, not because they're looking at the houses, because they're looking at the interiors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think back, I think back, say, 10 years ago when, when the, the odd home was staged. In, I'm talking Northumberland County. The odd home was staged and and certain realtors we would do it for certain homes or it wouldn't even be our our um our initiative it would be the initiative of the seller and they would stage or maybe they just stage themselves and and then you would walk through as a realtor i would take buyers through and it was like wow this is like we're in a new home development a, a new build and this is a model home and then we and then i would see how my buyers reacted to it and I know way back, years and years ago, I thought, you know, I was so impressed with the reaction of a professionally staged home and someone, someone who has an eye for it. And, uh, and then I, I just started to do it. And I thought, well, forget about every now and again. If it's good for one home, it's good for all the homes. And, and other realtors over the years have picked up on that. And I, we're talking trends and, and, and here's here's my thought, and it'd be interesting how you see it, Catherine. I think we're right we're right at a tipping point here in Northumberland County, where it's not, you know, you either there's a point where if you stage professionally, your hand your house will stand above and beyond all other homes. It will be so impressive, and then and then as more people stage, eventually, if you don't stage. Your, your house will stand out below all other homes, almost looking like an as-is property. Mm-hmm. I think we're somewhere right in the, near the middle right now that it's very, very common. And, and, uh, and maybe it's even slightly went over the, the you know, the, the 50% point here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's why I say, um, I, I define it as a, as a norm now, mm-hmm. not a nice to have. I think before it was a nice to have. I think now it's the norm. And it's the norm because there is this heightened expectation driven by the media, driven by other realtors, driven mm-hmm. by what's happening in urban markets, which obviously affects us. And so I think that, uh, you know, sellers would be well advised to do their homework with their realtor to take a look at the interior of, com- of competitive products, because that's the benchmark that buyers are using when they come in to look at their property. Well, Catherine, we're like way at the end. We're done. Uh, thank you. And, and, and the last thing is, do you want an offer on your home when the people say we can make this work or we have to have it? And that's what staging does. Yes. It makes a have to have offer versus uh, we can make this work. That's right. Thank you, Catherine, for joining me and, and everybody here listening uh, again this week on this topic. And if somebody is interested in getting in touch with you, what's the best way? Well, there's two ways. Uh, I do pick up my phone (laughs) and you can call me directly at 905-717-3624. 
Or you can just check out the internet and it's sage-relocation.com. And if you have any questions or comments about today's show or for any real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And don't forget to join us next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, Truly Local Radio. Until next week, folks. Serving Northumberland County as a not-for-profit, volunteer-run community radio station, this is CFWN-FM, Northumberland 89.7. Northumberland 89.7, your truly local news source. Northumberland 89.7 is your best choice for local news. It's Thursday, December 12th, Poinsettia Day. I'm Uvi Meyer, and here are the top stories. Leading off today, Northumberland County is advising residents interested in purchasing lids for recycling containers that while initial supply is currently sold out, additional stock is on order and will be available for purchase come January.